Okay, so thank you, everybody. Welcome to Georgie's Global Village. Today, I'm very excited to talk to Oge Chukwu Maduagwu from Nigeria. Welcome, Oge. Can you please introduce yourself? Okay, I'm from the southeast region of Nigeria, Ibo to be precise. I'm a makeup artist, the vision of initiative for the eradication of traditional and cultural stigmatization in our society. It's an NGO, a non-profit organization. Perfect. And when did you set it up? In 2017, June, around June, July. So before we get into that, can you explain what is the caste system that exists in Nigeria? Um, I know much about it uh, in my own region how it exists, how it is practiced. We were born into it. The caste system is of uh, three categories, three classics. The first is the one they call Osu. The Osus are the ones uh, believed to have been dedicated to the deity, community deity. The second class is the Ohu. The Ohus are like shadow slaves. They were bought like items in the market and are owned by individuals and families. Then the third is the one they call Ume. The Ume are the abominables. Those that they felt are not normal, didn't just come into this world the normal way, like some mothers that had twins, some children that their first tooth sprouted from the upper gum. Uh, what again, children from incest, those that they believe that they've committed uh, uh, abominable acts in the society, in the community rather, because they had rules, they had regulations, you know, and there are things they knew. They didn't know things that were extreme in nature. They were, were used to having one baby and suddenly two come three. Oh, the gods are angry. So everything was Anything they did not understand or haven't seen before was an abominable, was abominable and attributed to the gods being angry. Okay. So the Ome are seen as lower than the Ohu, the slaves? No. They are all discriminated against by the Diala, the Diala class, the uh, freeborn people. They are all in the same category. They, they don't mingle with the Diala. So how did this come about? Do you think it started as just a cultural thing or do you understand where these three different system castes and levels came about? Okay, uh, from oral history, uh, the Osu, people just uh, knew there was uh, a superior, a supernatural being that lived, that existed but didn't know how to reach him or communicate with him. You know, they couldn't understand how crops grow, leaves grow, and uh, people had some encounters with uh, things they couldn't just explain. They didn't have much uh, knowledge about. So they started creating gods for themselves, believing that there is a god in the soil that made their crops grow. They believed there was God in the sun that made the sun shine on them. And they had to create different kind of gods and created shrine 
as a meeting point with these gods. Now they needed people to tend to these very shrines and the, the rules they had about people that will be there were not uh, conducive for a free bond, you know. So they needed people to be there. So they had to now go kidnap people from uh, other communities or during intercommunal war. You know, during the pre-colonial days, people were into wars, trying to subjugate, uh, take over spaces, conquer kingdoms and uh, and uh, regions. So during these wars, they had uh, they had people captured, you know. So they used these people. They started with them by dedicating them to God to be there and um, worship them. So I think that's how we started from oral history. Then from those who they believe committed atrocities, like um, it's a taboo for uh, siblings to have sexual intercourse. If it happens, they take them to the, to the shrine of the deity, things like that. So that was how the uh, Osu thing started. Then the Ohu is the normal slave trade. Some were exported, yeah. some were, yeah. So they just, people bought them to show off affluence uh, for chores, you know. So they were, people used it as business, a means of income by going to kidnap people and sell to other people in other communities and regions. So it was a source of income for them. And those who bought uh, were sure of affluence, you know. Yes. So that was how the Ohu came to be. Then the Umez, I've already explained, are also those in the communities that they believe they are, they are abominable. So they are untouchable. If you if a child's teeth sprouts from the upper gum, <laughs> the, person, the child is taken, is isolated, you know. Mm. from the rest of the people and probably the mother as well, you know. Yes. So that's how. Okay. Oral history told us. Yes. Thank you for explaining that. So what do you think the repercussions are of a caste system for these people in this lowest caste levels, you know, the Osu, the Ohu and the Ome? Obviously, when you're rejected from the uh, land of your birth, you know, you're segregated, you're denied of your fundamental human rights, you do not participate in everything except the ones that they permit you to, you know, they don't take uh, chieftaincy titles in the community where I came from. There are two, three titles they dare not try to acquire no matter how rich they are, even up to this date. So when you are segregated and discriminated against in your land, in the land of your birth, I think there is nothing that will be more devastating like that, you know, as that. So it's, it's, it's been a, an agonizing journey for them, you know. It's, it's affected their social life, you know, to mingle when you're denied access to someone you love. Is it's been a heartbreaking one for them, you know. That's why some of them have reason to fight, yes. to demand for their rights, to demand to be integrated and unified with their people. 
because it's something they know nothing about. We all uh, are descendants. We inherited it. Yes. I asked that question because um, in some, like when I talk about Mauritania and we have uh, slave descendants as well, or people born into slavery, they don't ask questions. They know they're born into it. They don't ask, um, they don't question their existence. They don't uh, try to fight it either. They just accept that they're born into this situation or this caste and they don't try to change it. So my question is, do uh, the people in your in your state where you come from, are they trying to change that or do they also accept their fate that they're born into this caste system? The victim initially, they all accepted it or before now, say some five, 10 years ago, they accepted it as their fate and destiny. But some of them are becoming restless with it because of uh, civilization. They've traveled, they've gone abroad because of knowledge, because of information. And uh, they've come to realize that it wasn't actually the fault or the making of their ancestors. And why should they be the ones to continue paying for it? More so that... uh, uh, presently, we've all contravened all the rules and regulations regarding the caste system. You know, because before now, you do not mingle nor interact with anyone from such class, especially the Osu and the Ume class. The Ohus live with their masters, so that to the extent of um, probably uh, dating or having a love affair or trying to be part of the family. So they realized recently, the Osus and the Mays, that it, were actually, it was actually not the making of their ancestors. They were most of the time compelled into being what they were, and uh, they had to rise up to ask questions. If you come to my house and I come to your house, if I date you, we have sexual intercourse, we eat and drink together. And in the end, you say, I'm an Osu, you cannot marry me. When the rules says that if we do all this, that you who claims to be freeborn has become an Osu and shall join me, how come the gods are silent? How come the gods are not wreaking havoc? How come they didn't kill me, not kill you? And, you know, so all those questions cropped up and they started asking questions and demanding for their rights in the communities. So I think uh, as it is now, some are advocating, some have worn their gloves and boxing gloves and say we can fight it all out in the communities. And the consequence is that uh, there is uh, an acrimonious relationship between both sides. Yeah, I think it's important what you say about being aware about their rights and fighting for it. Um, Are there any superstitions that are linked to the caste system? As in, why are the Diala not allowed to marry like the Osu or the Ohu or the Ome? What is the superstition? Yeah, but they are coincidence, you know. They are all coincidence. My people are good at uh, attaching whatever thing that happens to something that 
you know, is a sign. It was because this happened. That it was because you went to the market. That is why the rain is falling. They would always attribute something to something, which was why I told them that if they show me one freeborn that got married to Anosu Ohu or Ume that are going through life challenges. I will show them a million diala to diala. That's freeborn to freeborn that are couple, but going through worse situations in life. So things just happened. In 2019, a young lady who was uh, coming home for her traditional marriage, she was pregnant of uh, twin babies, got involved in a motor accident and died. The day she was supposed to be buried, and uh, her marriage ceremony was supposed to take place was the day she was buried. And I asked everyone, this young lady isn't an issue. The young man that is coming to marry her, isn't an also. If you check her lineage from the father's side, the mother's side, none got married to also. The husband to be the same thing. So why did she die? Can someone tell me why? You know, and no one was able to explain. So if that young lady was an also or the man also, Oh, everybody would have said, yeah, we want her. Oh, the gods are great havoc and all that. You know, the gods are not happy that she was going to marry Anusu. So a lot that they have said that uh, happened referred them to another year where some can someone explain it. So it's just superstitious, you know, it's superstitious. It was just a way of sub- uh, subjugating and uh, drawing a clean, clear line between Probably the Diala, the owners of the land, the original owners of the land, and those they brought in later, or um, later settlers. Because you had in some communities, you have early settlers, then this uh, second batch that came in, they subjugated them and made them their slaves. You know, not like they even bought them. So there are different stories and patterns how people became this Osu became unfortunate like um, there's another community a woman who was being battered in her marriage by her husband it was a time when women cannot go back to their father's house no matter what they go through in their husband's house so she had four children and she had it up to here couldn't bear the pain anymore a day came, she packed her four kids. So on her way, the husband came after her. She ran into the shrine with two and the husband was able to grab two before they crossed the line. So the woman and the two, she ran into the shrine which became Osu, while the one that the husband grabbed, it was the husband grabbed. Wow. Who are now free but the same blood flows in their yeah. So once you enter the, so you cannot enter the shrine unless you are Osu. Then, and it depends on the reason why. 
the circumstance. Like if you are going there, uh, probably to worship the deity, it's fine. But if you're being and you want to be protected, as soon as you run into the shrine, you are protected for you. So once you run into the shrine, you belong there, and they call you the untouchable. When they, uh, no, don't touch him. More. He's untouchable. She's untouchable. She belongs to the deity. So can you yeah. give us an example of um, people who married from the uh, Diala who married an Osu or who or Ome? Does that exist? And what are the consequences for these couples in the society? The consequences is just stigma, just stigmatization, nothing spiritual, nothing extraordinary. People just look at you and say, oh, she married Osu. Oh, he married Osu. Oh, don't you know her? She's a product of Osu and uh, uh, Diala. You know, they find a name to give you. Like in my place, they call them Ibunifu. Ibu is a kind of fish, and Ifu is another type of fish. So they said, half Ibu, half Ifu, 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 you know. So it's just the stigmatization, nothing more than that, just the stigmatization. Okay, but then do they, can they, but they cannot participate in social activities or are they shunned as well and they have to leave the community? Yeah, they stay in the community, but you don't uh, take the titles that the Osu or who may are not meant to take us. You are their blood, you have become them. Oh, so is it for both, does that uh, count for both men and women, Diala? Like if you're a man marrying? Yes. yes. Okay. Yes, if you're, if you're, a female diala, mm-hmm. and you marry an osu, it's the same. If you are a female osu, and you marry a male diala, okay. it's still the same thing. The same stigma follows your offspring. Okay, so they don't discriminate between men and women diala. No, 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 no. Okay, that's interesting. So how that means they have to be very daring, these couples, and really in love to to defy these cultural yeah. norms. Yeah, like in some places. Uh, okay, when we went to Soka, a community in uh, uh, Enugu State, we ran into a guy, a young man. Though we were with uh, someone from the community who knew the guy and greeted him, uh, told him who we are and uh, what we came to do in their community. He was excited. So, oh, wow, that's good. He's Osu, but married a female Diala, okay? And for eight years, he's been married to his wife. The mother-in-law has never visited them. They have four children. The woman said she will never come. So I just asked him, I said, is the mother-in-law a Christian? Oh, he said, yes, a Christian mother, even she stays in on the front road. I said, that's hypocrisy, you know. So that's how bad it is. They will excommunicate you. Nobody will want to uh, uh, interact or identify with you. And there's this other community in Imo State. Uh, you know, because of the stigmatization, they don't like coming before the camera. Okay, we would have gotten these testimonies on record. But they wouldn't want to come because they don't know how far it will go. And this whole thing is abolished. Uh, You know, the psychological effects of it. So there's this other community they took me to and we met a man, an old man. So he said, 
the niece because the younger sister had to marry in another state where they do not practice Osu, you know, so they didn't know she was an Osu. And uh, later, the daughter, who is the man's niece, got married to a man from their own community who is a Diala. So when the family found out that she was an offspring of a female Osu, they educated him and they had a child, a male child. And after two years, they came and set their house ablaze while they were sleeping. The lady escaped, but the man died, was born, and that, yeah, he told us the story. He said, since then, the niece hasn't stepped her foot in that community. So is 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 yeah, it's that bad. And we also met uh, a lady who told us a story. She pointed at the house that it was in the same estate where she stayed, that uh, a young lady in that very compound was dating a young man. They were in love. They wanted to get married. This one is in Owere, in Imo State. And uh, the family said she would not marry the young man because he's also. So she decided to be pregnant. She became pregnant and her family poisoned her. She died because they can't stand the stigmatization. They can't stand the shame. It's an abomination, you know. So it's that bad. or It's still that bad. It is. It is. That's it horrendous. Is. That's why I think it's very brave of yes. them to still want to marry, knowing the possible yes. consequences. What about yes. children born of these mixed castes? Do, do they get... Um, discriminated against at school? Like, do the other kids know who they are and then they get shunned as well? Yeah, yeah. Mm. If you stay in the community, you know, when you leave the community and come to the city, people don't know much about you. They know nothing about it. You know, they don't know where you came from. But until they meet someone that is from uh, the same community as you, like a young man called me from London, he said he is in love with a young lady he wants to marry. And uh, before he was planning to come home to tell the parents about the girl, hadn't told the girl, though, that they were getting married or he has told, I can't remember, Sha, but that the young, uh, he ran into someone from the same community. You know, they just went for a social gathering. And uh, he met this guy. The guy said, oh, where are you from? And they, oh, wow, I'm coming to your community to marry. You know, her name is this from social family. And say, oh, wow, it, it's good if you go there. If you're an Osu, it's fine. But you can't go there if you're not an Osu because they're Osu. So he changed his mind. Far, far away, London. No, he called me because he needed help. He wanted me to yeah. tell him what to do. <laughs> because he hadn't told the parents. He was confused. He said he's mm. been like that for one year. He can't leave the girl. He hasn't even told the girl. He couldn't tell the girl what he had. He hasn't told the parents about the girl. You know, it's just been like that. So he, when he saw the, the TEDx talk, he had to find a way to call me to find out. So I told him it's his choice if he's in love. But as per spiritual implications, there is none, you know. But the psychological effect of coming to the public and people look at you and say, oh, that guy, he married also, he married also. If you can cope with it, go ahead. But 
Do not leave that young woman halfway. Don't bring her into marriage and feel like at some point that you can't bear the shame, you know, and the stigma because your family will excommunicate you. If you say, okay, far away, London, someone told you <laughs> she's an Osu. So you can imagine when you go to a function with her and uh, someone, uh, people are looking at you, even when they're not talking about you, you have this feeling, oh, they're talking about us that I got married to an Osu. So if you can, Surmount all this for love, then go ahead and marry her. But as for spiritual implication, no. And uh, I encourage her to go into the marriage because this whole thing will definitely very soon uh, be a thing of the past, you know, from the experience we've acquired in the field. It will. Amen. And that's why I want to ask you, because I think it's amazing and commendable that you are doing this very important work of raising awareness. And that's how I found out as well, just like this man you mentioned from London. Um, so how do you think we move forward from this system that is so ingrained, you know, culturally, it's very difficult to change things like you had mentioned in your TED talk also that um, and it's an inc inconvenient truth that culture is deeper than religion. I think that's a very strong statement. So can you try and tell us a bit about how we can move forward from this system and how we can support? Have you also received threats for trying to change or raise awareness, you know, because it's not an easy topic that you're dealing with? Yeah, certainly we've uh, received threats, but uh, we're not worried about it. We understand them. You know, we don't try to fight or coerce anyone into abolishing. It's not easy to cause or effect attitudinal change. We were born into it. It has become psychological. It's something you do gradually, you know. So when we receive threats, we don't fight back, okay? We try to understand because I was born into it. I understand how we feel or how I felt before yeah. I saw the light. So it is normal. Uh, we, all of us will not see the light at the same time. So we persist in talking with them. We allow you to speak your mind. Nobody will kill you. Nobody will jail you. Nobody will prosecute you for speaking your mind. It's your opinion. It's how you feel. You are entitled to it. But when we start in the, you know, we start interacting with them and we go back and forth with questions and answers, you know, rubbing minds together, we get to a point where the person will be like, wow, it's true. But these things, but the problem is what the ancestors did. What do we do? How do we revoke it? They say it's irrevocable and all that. And we go further to the next stage, the next step, which is, trying to encourage the young man or make him understand, the young man or young woman, making that person to understand who he or she is in that community, that he or she is a representative of the ancestors, that they are gone, he is living, and he controls what happens, you know, citing examples and um, motivating them and uh, giving them uh, enough time to go and that think about it, pray over it. We encourage them to pray as well. Ask God. It doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not. You can relate. You can communicate with God. 
find out from God. Did you send this young lady? Is she saying the truth? Is this something that is worth doing? Are we still going to be safe if we do this? So, uh, and when we meet again, you have a repentant uh, traditionalist talking with you and we start preparing solutions on how to abolish I love I hope that. I was able to answer that question. Yeah, I know well. it's great. It's a great. It's a great answer. I love the. I love your approach because you're not there to say you are better than others or that your way is the right way and theirs is not. You come from that system and culture, so you understand it. And I think that's what gives you advantage um, to be able to talk to them because they know yeah. they know that you know about it and you come from that and you know what you're talking about and you're open to dialogue and communicating. And I think that's how we change, you know, um, behaviors over time and also having these daring people, you know, continue being in love and, and fighting for, uh, their relationships. Um, so what, what are certain steps, uh, that need to be taken to change it? You know, is it something that needs to go back to the cultural leaders or uh, is it the youth that are going to change this um, and how can we support if there's an, a way that we can support okay i think it's what everyone every group every age group um, every religion uh, whoever you are educated non-educated exposed or not you don't narrow it down to a particular group if you say the elders you have uh, young ones who are hook line and sinker into tradition and they will argue it out because they are the ones that will take over from those elders so we bring everybody we have the representative of every group you know every age group every uh, traditional society we bring everyone together those that are exposed, those that are out of the city, will bring everyone, everyone. So when we have a, a good number of them supporting it, then we talk about solution on how to go about it. You need people to understand first that it needs, we have to discard them. And how do we go about it? has always been the next step so everyone is involved everyone that's that's so important and i'm glad that you brought that up so can you tell us a little bit from the moment you started in 2017 what progress have you seen in this area even if it's one person <laughs> no we've met we've made a we've met quantum leap we've met a huge success we've uh, from 2017 it wasn't easy it was going around the circle uh, speak to this person says oh go to this person and talk oh he's in the hands of this person people were evasive it was a, a very talk about in the public and they had this notion that oh these cursed people are mean they are wicked you know especially in the communities that have become violent like the ohus they are more uh, confrontational in their bid for for freedom okay so when they have uh, ushered terror and all that in some communities they burn houses they've killed they brandish weapons 
and all that. So you don't come out openly to talk about things like that. People will be like, no, 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 no. If they hear it, they will, you know, they are scared. So, but we have uh, succeeded in, 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 in restoring peace parties together. Some communities practice OSU only, some practice only OHO. So in that community, uh, between 23rd to 31st of January, we succeeded in abolishing the suitcase system traditionally. Wow. You know, because, yes, 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 we did. We did. So the, in that very clan, they have um, eight deities. We met with them. We met with the town union. We sensitized. We we'll go through the traditional ruler. We now constitute a committee of representatives of their principal society, uh, the traditional ruler, the cabinet members. The last uh, meeting we had was we had a representative from 18 villages involved. We had the chief priest attend the uh, representatives of the big and the victimizers, the oldest men who are uh, custodians of the traditional or folk. So, but they performed their rituals, they are ready to be free. They want to be free, you know, as a representative. So he dropped the color note, but we provided all other items. We gave them money to get it. So they performed their ceremony. So as we speak now, to is abolished in a soccer, but the next stage is the Ohu, you know, and some of the supposed owners of the stadium that it's an investment they inherited that wants the money back. Yeah. Okay, so and we have yeah, so we have been able to explain to them because when I started this, uh, it wasn't just me starting. It was God sending me on an errand and said, do this for me. And that is what, uh, that is why with all the challenges, I am still moving forward and he hasn't failed since yeah. then. <laughs> yes. So he also told us how to go about it. He also spoke to me at the Ohu thing. Okay, now you call it an investment your ancestors bought and purchased this in the market but have you ever thought how these people individual walked in slave market and say sell me into slave someone somewhere napped or stole the, the family placed a cause on whoever that did so this person is there not out of his own volition but he or she was stolen. And it is a curse upon whoever that bought a human being. It is a curse, knowing full well that this person was stolen, kidnapped. But before God, he loves every human being he created equal. So you that is seeking for a payback, that money is also cost. We've been able to explain to them that um, it is not an investment. Though they saw it as an investment, 
but before God, it was a sin. It was an evil act. Great. So we've made huge progress. We've made quantum uh, uh, leap, <laughs> success. We, we are progressing. People are now keying in. Yes, that's the truth. People are now keying in. And uh, be like, we support you. Now we see there's actually nothing in this. People were just scared of uh, what the gods will do or mm. the stigmatization. Thank you for sharing that. And just to make clear that this is not uh, this does not is not practiced throughout the whole country, but in certain parts of Nigeria, correct? Yes, it's predominant in the region. Okay, so just to end, I would like to ask you to share like how we can follow you, support you. If you can share your social media handles, and I will also write them down, of course, for people to follow. And if you have any you know, last final thoughts or words you want to share with all those that are listening to you? Okay. I am an African woman, but I align with humanity. The moment we all start seeing each other as human beings and align with humanity, the world will become a better place. I think this discrimination about color, religion, region, ethnicity Mm -hmm. is the major problem we have in the world today. So I'm Ogechko Stella Madago in all my social media handles. And the name of my uh, organization is Ifetashios. I just want to give a shout out to my team. They are the best team in this world. You know, they are dedicated people who will abandon their personal businesses, not leaving it in the hands of anybody, but locking it up. Because we fund every meeting, every interaction, every phone call. We give incentives. We provide transportations for the community uh, committee members. Yeah. Uh, you send them on errand. You must provide finance for them, you know, to make sure they carry it out. You provide welfare and the rest of it, you know. Yeah. So funding it, what uh, we need so that we can also increase the number of volunteers who are in the field, you know, and uh, that's uh, how much you can assist or help us. If you're ready to volunteer, also contact us through our website. You can also send in your help through our website, your financial assistance to our website. We have everything there, or you can contact us through our telephone numbers and um, our social media handles. We'll be there to respond. Okay, thank you so much. And I will make sure to post all that information so people can can click on it directly. I would like to thank you so much, Ogechukwu, for your time and your dedication and passion. And I, I, I really pray that you will be able to achieve what the goals that you have set for um, your organization and God bless you. And uh, we look forward to following you on social media and seeing you succeed. Thank you so much.